Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. Sutterwalla, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Shula Jr. Hey, Ed, how's it going for you today? Hey, I'm good, man. Uh, good spirits. Uh, like I said, just getting out of, uh, just getting back in town uh, from a like a week long trip uh, out west. But yeah, I'm feeling pretty good, and uh, seems like there's a lot of different uh, Bulls rumors as we get closer to free agency and we get closer to the draft. We're about a few weeks away from the draft, so uh, yeah, we got a we got a lot to jump into. Hundred percent. Yeah, you had a nice. Uh, you have a nice new job. You uh, a lot of, a new opportunity presenting yeah. itself to you. Uh, so yeah, congrats on that again. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I was in uh, San Francisco for a week, so uh, wasn't there when the Warriors were uh, there, but got a little taste of the city and some of the uh, like fanfare around the NBA Finals while I was there. So yeah, like we were talking about before the show. Really great city, really great weather, a lot of good stuff going on there. Uh, so yeah, love love San Francisco. Yeah, hundred percent. I I haven't gone there yet, but it's definitely on my uh, bucket list. I've I've gone to like Southern California, but I haven't been up the nor- the northern uh, end of California yet. Yeah, that's I do want to explore more cities in California, like to see like w- the compare and contrast, like the vibes of it. But yeah, really promising yeah. so far. I. I would say, like for me personally, I bet you, like I feel like Northern California is probably more my vibe. Yeah. Like I really, I was okay with Southern California. Like the LA was kind of like, I, it was cool to visit, hmm. but I don't know. I could, I can't ever see myself living there. Yeah, that's what um, people say. It's like, I mean, I'm sure LA is like really, really fast, and I mean, sure, there's a ton of people there too, and it's just the traffic seems, uh, like an adventure every minute. So. <laughs> No, 100%. So, like, stuff like that. But, yeah, obviously, speaking of new opportunities, there's a lot of new stuff going on with the Bulls uh, that we've kind of not been able to talk about just because of our schedules. Uh, So we're really going to deep dive into a lot of different topics on the Bulls. Uh, And to help us to to do that, joining us today is one of our favorite guests that we have on here repeatedly. Uh, He's the host of the NBA podcast with Ryan Toporek. Uh, contributor to Forbes, along with being one of the foremost basketball minds in all of Denmark, Mort Stick Jensen. Mort, how's it going, buddy? Like, we love having you on. How you been? 
Thank you so much for the very warm introduction, <laughs> as always, Salim. It's much appreciated. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, I, I will say I'm a little bit PO'd at the NBA for having the finals games on that late. I mean, I know even East Coast people <laughs> are a little annoyed at yeah. the 9 p.m. tip-off time, but that's 3 a.m. for me. And Yeah, like, that's... That's yeah. that's where like I'm usually I can catch those games to start at like two. That's like kind of my latest. Three is pushing it because then you make it to like the third quarter and suddenly your eyes are kind of kind of opening and, and and widening up like a little bit and going falling back in. It's just not working out. So I'm gonna have to like watch the vast majority of the finals. Uh, in the morning, which annoys me because I like being online during the games. Yeah. People have good takes. I mean, that's no, dedication sure, to be sure. up that like to be up at that time watching, though. Like, that's that's true dedication to the art. <laughs> yeah, you've always been someone that that amazes me because, like, I, I know people like in other countries do the same thing. But, like, I feel like you, you you're for you, it's always odd hours. Like, I know, for example, for Mark K, when he's in Australia and he does, he up, he's up for games. But it, for him, it's usually like afternoon, I think. It, I don't think it's or it's something mornings. like in the morning. I think in the yeah. morning. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's around the time like he would be at work or whatever, but like for you, it's like yeah, you have some really odd hours, and that's I'm always like, man, how are you able to like be a fan and still like put in <laughs> the hours and and then find a way to sleep? Like it's always amazing to me. I I don't know if I could do it. I I would probably be like in bed. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll catch the replay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shoot, that's how I get when the Bulls have like West Coast games and they they come on at like. 1045 and 11 I'm just like fam like I can't do this but yeah but, like, yeah, no. but I'll say this though when I was in the west coast like I have a new appreciation for west coast time because sports literally starts like around when you're probably like people are getting off so like I'm checking my phone and I'm like wait like there's games on at like five o'clock, four o'clock, oh, yeah. and the NBA yeah. finals See, starts. You're at... catching on because <laughs> yeah. I've made it. A, I made a deal with myself. If I ever get enough money, like for the entire family, I'm moving to Hawaii. We're, we're, I'm taking the family and moving to Hawaii because we'll. Ha- I'll have games like in the early afternoon, and even the late games on the West Coast would be over at like early evening. Yeah. So I can go out and 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 get like some grub afterwards because all the games are done. Yeah. Like I'll be yeah. that'll be my full time job. Like I'll go, I'll start my job at like you know noon and I'll be <laughs> done at like six or seven and boom, out to eat. Job yeah. done. Day it's, over. It's amazing. 100%. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure the NBA like game four ended at like eight forty five or nine. It's just like, oh, watch the game and you still got like a few hours to kill or you can right. jump in bed. Like it's, it's amazing time. Like West yeah. coast really might have the best time zone. <laughs> and, the, and the better weather overall. Yes, it'll, yes. It'll, I'll tell you something. Those bastards on the West coast. Look at, I mean, they have all, they have all the breaks. They have the weather. They have the best <laughs> the time for games. I mean, come on at least NBA, give us the finals over here because us Europeans right now, we're struggling <laughs> to stay up. Come on, just, no. just just make it eight so we can so two a.m. for us. That's that'd be fine. We'll take it. Yeah, no, definitely. That's uh, it's I mean, definitely like I'm sure you get excited when they do have those afternoon games or whatever. Oh yeah, that, so yeah. you can at least be when uh, I remember it because I'm <laughs> yeah. so it's so uncustomed. Like then sometimes I'll be like forgetting to look it up. I'll I'll, I'll go through a day and I'll think, oh, I have plenty of time because usually I turn games on like one. And, and suddenly my wife is like, honey, aren't you going to watch the game? Like, 
the game? Yeah, it's been on for like 30 minutes. Oh, God damn it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, well, you know, we can rage on about about timing and, and all that for the games, but uh, let, let's get into some Bulls talk here. Yes. Right. Uh, a lot, like I said, a lot going on. Uh, various different rumors about Zach, uh, various different rumors about like his contract situation, various players the Bulls are interested in. Right. Um, and obviously with the draft coming up, there's a lot of chatter with that too. So let, let's talk about Zach first. I know there's, that was like a nuanced conversation when it comes to his extension, his max extension. Like Ed and I have obviously, we're all for giving Zach that five year max. Um, I think in, in, when you consider NBA economics, the type of players that get that max, he fits the bill. Uh, obviously he's not worth the same max like as value wise he's not worth the same as guys like the big names like Giannis, uh mb luca uh jokic uh all these other players right like these big names obviously he's not worth the same type of mass as those guys are but when you look at guys like bradley beal uh devin booker uh jamal murray's all those various you know those type of guards that are like uh, scores um, and I would say like Zach is arguably better than a couple of those guys as a at least oh, as yeah. a score. But yeah, so basically you you want to give Zach that fiber max. Like, what are your thoughts on that, more? Like uh, when you hear a lot of these conversations happening about Zach's worth and whether the Bulls should extend the fiber max, uh, what what do you, what comes out across to you when you see the different arguments? You know, sometimes on network television, like CNN, for example, they will put up some climate change expert, someone who's been in that game for 25 years, who just really knows what they're talking about. And then they'll have them debate some whack job who spent 30 minutes on YouTube watching a video, right? <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about this. For people who think that Zach Levine, who are arguing that Zach Levine isn't worth the max or that it's not beneficial to the Bulls, those are the people that I put in that category of having spent 30 minutes on YouTube. Like, that's where we are. It's blatantly ridiculous. Of course, he's worth the max first and foremost. And even if he isn't, he's still movable. The alternative here is that you lose him for nothing, which is the worst case scenario. So if you have to overpay him to keep a guy who's averaged over 25 points per game over the past three years collectively, yeah, you kind of do that and you run with it. I, I, I think it's so preposterous that this is even a conversation. It's, it's, it blows my mind. Because, of course, the best scenario here is retaining him. And even if you have to pivot off of him later, you can do so. Now you have a big asset, a big, fat, juicy contract that also makes him viable in salary matching schemes. Like, not doing it just removes everything from the table. So I, I think, Salim, you're so good-hearted because you're, like, going into the minutiae here. You're, like, trying to bridge the, the level of understanding. Like, you're being way too kind. Just we should just act as if this is the most logical. That's not even acting. This is the most logical path. And everyone who suggests otherwise, shh, just ignore them. <laughs> just let their voices fade into obscurity. I, I think the the one thing I keep thinking back to is that for the last four years, Zach has been playing well below market value on his contract. He's been making what, like 19 million and 19 and a half, 19 and a half million, a, a contract that we originally did not like, but became probably one of the better contracts in the league. And he's been a 20 plus point per game scorer in each of those seasons, well above like the league, uh, 
like true shooting percentage, like putting up big numbers just across the board. And he's still, uh, right. he's about to what turn 27 now. So he, he is yeah. 27, yeah, he's but 27 you're absolutely now. right. Yes. One of the best off ball scores in the entire league from efficiency standpoint. Yeah. Yes. And even on ball, like he, he's just, uh, he's just a bucket getter. Like he's, He's like one of the handful of guys that that not only can score at a high volume, but he does it very efficiently. And there's not a lot of guys in this league that can do that. Like I've I've, right. I've run the numbers, like I've done the various stats. Like you know when you do like uh, points per game, and then you look at your two shooting percentage and all these other field goal percentages, and it's always like his last two seasons what he's become when he's healthy. At, the, at least when he's healthy, like obviously the knee affected a lot of his shooting percentages. Um, as the season went on, like you saw his three point percentage dip because he just wasn't able to get the same lift on a shot. Uh, but yeah, when you run those numbers, he's always like one of like six or seven guys doing what he does. Yeah. And it's like, come to this guy is, this is the max. Yeah. He, he's worth the max. Stop yeah. the nonsense argument. Um, whether he's a number one on a championship team or whatever argument you want to make, obviously, yeah, he has his defensive shortcomings. Um, you know, he's uh, he's gotten better on the defensive end, but he still has his lapses, no doubt. Uh, I, I'm he he's still worth the money that he's going to get. That, yeah. That's final. That's just the final conclusion. So what's the so what's the split like? Is the article referring to? Because to me, and I think we've talked about this in the past before, but we've talked about how, and Mortis basically said the same thing, that this really shouldn't even be much of a thought because this isn't really like contract negotiations where one side wants like, oh, yeah, you know, I want 85 million over four years. Oh, we only want to give you like 70 million. Eh, like, like, let's build it in between. Like, this is max or not. Zach wants yeah. the max. <laughs> right. So if you're not going to give him the max, then what's there to discuss? So to me, uh, first day of free agency, you offer him the max, right? So maybe even yeah, before that. Yeah, even before that. <laughs> right. Yeah, before that. Yeah, before that. So it, it's it's really just a quick thing. It's like, hey, here's the max. Sign it or I don't right. know. <laughs> I think, well, I think the split was supposedly, and it's one of the dumbest things I've heard in my life. It's it's some people in the Bulls organization supposedly don't think Zach has the dog mentality, which is this again so stupid. This guy played through multiple injuries. He had no reason to play with that bad knee. Mm. It's yeah. his contract year. He could have been like, you know what? I'm looking out for my health. I'm going to sit out. I'm going to get my you know my knee things checked out. And I'm going to sit out for like a month or two because that's what's best for my health and everything. He could have done that, but he fought through that. He fought through injuries, didn't care about his numbers. You know, he took backseat to DeMar. He did everything, like, because yeah. he wanted to get this team into the playoffs. That's not dog mentality. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I Look, can we agree that either that was planted by an opposing team that wants to fleece the Bulls for him, like just mm. do something, I'd or it was so. just, or it was just John Paxson. <laughs> <laughs> One or the two. Like it, I'm, I'm hoping that like, it's, it's a complete BS rumor because I just, it's, I've seen like fans mention it too. Like he doesn't have the dog mentality. It's like, what are you talking about? What, are yeah. you dumb? Are you the stupid? mute button because exists that- for a reason? 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I can sometimes like I'm I'm very good at like not engaging and back and forth on Twitter. There's there's sometimes that I'll that I'll just I'll, I can't take it. Like whenever there's <laughs> like whenever there's like some dumb stuff like about Zach like that or some Jimmy Butler slander, I'll I'll just you know I I can't stop. I have yeah. to I have to defend yeah uh, it, those sides. So. <laughs> you you mentioned it at the top when you were talking about the different levels of being a max player and oftentimes, and we've, we've all like posted on message boards. So we know the conversation, but whenever you hear max deal, it's, Oh, he's not, he, you can't build a, a championship team around him. Can you picture him holding the, the trophy as the number one? Can he, he carry a team, the 65 wins. It's it, it, that shouldn't be the bar. Like there, there, Right. There's different levels of being a max player, and Zach Levine meets meets one of those bars. It's yeah, he's not LeBron James, he's not Steph Curry, he's not Jokic, whatever. And if he was, then I mean, what would you say <laughs> at that point? Like at that point, it's just it's a no brainer. But th- there's just levels to this, and he meets one of those levels, and he's earned that contract. So you can't really base it on are we going to win a championship with him on this contract? It's do you want a player who has met the bar of being a max guy through the rest of his prime years, or do you want to lose him and get nothing back and have no conceivable or logical plan to fill his impact on this team going forward? (laughs) Right. Because you can't like you do. If the bulls don't re-sign him, that doesn't mean they suddenly have max cap space available this yeah. is another faulty premise that i've seen from bulls fans that they believe oh we can choose not to re-sign sack levine and then we'll have 40 million available in cap space like that's yeah. that's not how it works yeah. like it really isn't um and, and overall i just think there's so much flawed logic in this whole debate and people either not knowing about the salary cap or not understanding the long-term consequences of not retaining sack it just seems to be me that a lot of people who are talking are very uneducated on the whole thing yeah. which is unfortunate and it's funny because we've been here before <laughs> it's I mean, we've, yeah. we've, we've done this song and dance before with jimmy butler so it's you know he wasn't a free agent but we've done this is he worth the match? Can can we win a championship with him? We've done it with lesser players. Yeah, you, you could have. They <laughs> yeah. absolutely could have if yeah. they hadn't traded him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we've seen enough from him now to <laughs> have yeah. that clarity, right? Yeah. So it, it's we've done this with so many players. Like, yeah, you, you can't win a championship with Ben Gordon. Don't pay, you can't win a championship with Tyson Chandler as your starting. It's just you gotta pay people when they meet the bar, and he's met the right. bar. What else do you want? <laughs> I, I will I will die on this hill. I think if the Bulls had ponied up for Ben Gordon, mm. that would have made Derek all that more efficient during his MVP seasons. And maybe, just maybe, it would have led him to be more selective with his shots, not having to overburden himself, which will otherwise led to the ACL tear. Not mm. saying freak injuries would wouldn't happen, of course. You know, it's it's all unknown. But if he had a backcourt sidekick who could actually create and score you know ben, ben could you could pencil ben in for 20 points per game when he was at the bulls mm. I, I think people lose sight of what productive players do not just in terms of you for the organization but for you for, for their teammates yeah like 
Sack is going just the presence of Sack alone. Let's 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 take him away from the equation and let's imagine this current roster moves forward, but without Sack, right? Hmm. How much tougher is life going to be on Nikola Vucevic and Demar Derozan and Lonzo Ball? Significantly so. And then after that's going to happen, like let's say Demar is going to go through like a middling efficiency year and he doesn't look anywhere near as close as what he did this year. Everyone is going to be pointing, oh, that's age. Like, no, mm. that's because he's not playing with an all-star caliber player alongside him who's an elite floor spreader. Like, it, it has a ripple effect. Like, guys who are great scorers and great floor spacers, if you remove them from the court, it's going to have a ripple effect. Yeah. It's, yeah. Th- there's a definite, Zach has proven that he has a premium, that he has premium skills in the NBA. We, yeah. We've seen a build up to it where when he came to Chicago, of course, he was recovering from his ACL and we knew he could score for ball. We knew he could shoot, but he's become either elite at it or near elite. Either way, oh, those are I yeah, have some numbers yeah. for you. Yeah. I, I have some numbers for you guys. He has a 67.1 effective field goal percentage on catch and shoots. That's like he's yeah. draining 46 percent of his, his threes on catch and shoots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's absurd, and that's and that went down, but mostly because again that knee, because he was closer to like forty eight, forty nine percent when he was fully healthy. Like, mm-hmm. imagine being a coin flip on the essentially saying, okay, this guy is a coin flip on whether he's gonna make or miss the shot. That's absurd. That is an absurd he, he, like rate. That is just an absurd rate. He's money, and going back to uh, like. The stats are there. The production is there. Uh, like he, he's met the bar. And when we go and talk about everything else, else outside of that, when we talk about perception, we were talking about perception of the Bulls before we started recording. The perception of losing a player like Zach Levine goes against all of the type of goodwill that this new front office has built up, that Michael Reinsdorf may be looking to build up as he becomes more of that kind of like the f- face of the figurehead of the Bulls, it goes against all of that. Like, it's it's unproductive. So you, you just can't lose a guy like that. Like, it, it's just, it's not great for your brand. It's not great for what it says to the fans. I don't know how you sell that to the fans. Like, yeah, we let a guy go who did everything we asked for, produced at an elite level, and we let him go. <laughs> it's just we believe in Kobe White yeah. that much, guys. <laughs> yeah. Thumbs up. Yeah, it, it's just you can't sell it to fans. So you 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 gotta keep him. I, I know people are afraid. Oh, he's gonna be albatross. Like, look, if you're if you want to be a big market team, if you want to have fans behind you, then you gotta act that way, and that involves paying players who meet the bar and have done what you've asked them to do. Right. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So yeah, in, in conclusion, I think we all agree Zach is a five-year max. Give it to him that he's worth that. Um, now, now going on from the five-year max, once he gets that, it's about again improving the Bulls as a team. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's various ways that he that AK can do that. Obviously, we talked about smaller on the smaller scale, uh, hitting moves on the margin. That's something that's been kind of a weakness for uh, Arturis. And Mark Eversley, you know, finding ways to make sure that those smaller moves, they hit on those so that way the bench can get filled out a little bit better, have the Bulls can have better depth. 
Um, Wait, you, it, you think that's been a weakness, Aleem? I'm I'm kind of surprised at that. A like little they found, bit. A little they found bit. Io and like Javante yeah, turned in from a guy who wasn't expected to play at all into like a part-time starter. Yeah, but they've had like guys like Matt Thomas on the roster that just you know, waste a roster spot. They've had other players yeah. that just haven't really been you know anything. Like Marco looks like he's a nothing. Um, right, I, I'm but not, no one's gonna bat a hundred though, or a thousand. No, a hundred percent. But like, I think you have to find ways to hit more, so so that way you have a little more depth. But yeah. in general, like, and, and going in, and there's been other rumors uh, popping up about uh, obviously Rudy Gobert being the biggest name uh, the Bulls are interested in. But there's also on the smaller scale guys like a Mitchell Robinson that the Bulls are supposedly have <sighs> been looking at. Um, what what are your thoughts on on the Bulls <laughs> going into this offseason? And I, I've seen you tweet about them and, you know, get in with, like, Will Gottlieb, uh, Gottlieb who's one of our favorite uh, guests, too, and uh, does the CHGO podcast with uh, Matt Peck and uh, Dave Watson, yeah. one of our two, two – our, two, three of our favorite guys over mm-hmm. there. And, yeah, you've, you've had conversations about that, about going after Gobert and what the Bulls should and shouldn't do. What are your thoughts on – AK going into this offseason and and what he should do to improve this team. See, I, I think Gobert, I'm not necessarily all the way out on the uh, on the idea, assuming you get him for cheap. But I just would not go into this summer and say, look, we're the Chicago Bulls and we're ready to give up all of the future for Rudy Gobert. Because, yes, he does fix a lot for you defensively. I'm definitely not saying otherwise. Gobert is one of the all-time great defenders arguably the best rim protector ever, especially the modern age, because you can't really compare Bill Russell, who played in the 60s, so now it's so difficult. But the price tag and the fact that he's going to be 30 this month moving forward, it, it's it's substantial. If you then also have to give up that much in a trade, now you're paying a lot to bring him in. And what he gives you, what he fixes defensively, that's great. But you'll have to overcome a lot of his offensive weaknesses, which is he only scores within five feet of the basket, actually three feet of the basket. That his shot, average shot attempt rate is 2.7 feet. So he's not a floor spacer. He's also not a passer, meaning you take a component away that you had in Vooch. And by the way, I'm not arguing that Vooch is a better player. He's not. Mm-hmm. But I am saying it's more complicated than just player A is better than player B. As such, let's go pl- get player A, because it, that's just not how it works. Imagine DeMar DeRozan now getting those post-ups or the mid-range, uh, the, the mid-range isolations, right? And now right. you have Gobert coming out in the paint. Well, Gobert's defender is going to be right there. That's going to make like life so much harder for DeRozan to get that shot off. So it, it like you have to kind of see if the the overall puzzle fits. And one name that I'm just flabbergasted that we don't talk more about or isn't being reported a whole lot out there is Miles Turner. Like, I get that Miles Turner defensively is not Rudy Gobert, but then again, who is? He's an elite shot blocker. He's certainly a lot better defensively than Vooch. He, granted, he doesn't give you a lot of rebounding, but he does give you a floor spacing presence. So you get somewhat the, the best of both worlds in terms of Gobert and Vucevic. But you get it at a much smaller contract as well. I think he's owed like 17, no, 18 million a year, whereas Gobert is at 38. That just makes it more 
digest digestible first and foremost, but it also works in the X's and O schemes. Now, when Demar wants to establish himself, you can have Miles Turner pop out to the three point line. Also, Turner wants more shots. Well, if you build a package wherein Vooch is the guy going to Indiana, and obviously you'll need to add something like Kobe White and Portland Pick or whatever, he is going to get more shots. Like because Vooch, who got like 15 shots per game, he that would he's gone. So you need to get those shots in. Turner's right there. Hell, let him take seven or eight three pointers per game if he wants to, and let him establish himself inside if he feels he has more to offer great go for it because you won't really be sacrificing a whole lot defensively so to me that's the guy to get it's not going out and and overpaying for gobert where you don't really know how he ages and you don't really know how the offense is going to look mitchell robinson to me is an even bigger question mark like what is he what isn't he and from what i've been hearing personally is also that he is not always engaged like there are plenty of times uh you know, within the team during a season that he just mentally checks out. And it isn't it isn't ill-intended. Like, it's not something he does on purpose. He's just very young, and he has a tendency to just check out. Um, so I would I would want Miles Turner. That That's the guy I think would be much more interesting than the two aforementioned names. It, it's, yeah. It's, oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really in Mitchell Robinson. I don't really, he's not, he's not the type of player that I really normally like. Like, right. Yeah. He has his strengths like with, with rebounding. Um, I think the defensive side is a little overrated just because I don't think he's probably as smart as a defender, like off ball and doing all these other things. Obviously his rim protection is fine. The shot blocking can kind of blind people, if you will um on certain aspects of it but when i look what i look at is more so like and you and to your point like yeah miles turner will be interesting but like for gobert at least the way i see it like there isn't like a perfect solution for the bulls uh like that we know of at least like there's not like like if tomorrow the joker says i want to go to the bulls yeah that's a perfect (laughs) solution that's a perfect solution but it's we don't know of any perfect solution right now, and there's always going to be some kind of issue with something that doesn't really put you that much over the top. I think even with Miles Turner, you're taking away as far as his pa- uh, like Vooch's passing. Miles yeah. Turner is not a passer; he's not on that short roll. He's not going to be able to make plays out of that. Um, and even the shooting is a little, you know, people people have been hitting on Vooch as far as not being a really good shooter, you know, I've seen a lot of Pacers people say, you know, well, Miles Turner really isn't a shooter either. And, and on top of that, there's been times where he ha- he kind of gets that Pat will um, disease where he's kind of like passes up looks uh, when he's at, at open behind the arc. I've seen like Pacers people mention yep. that. Um, so again, it's not a perfect solution there either. And like for me with, when I look at Rudy Gobert, Yes, he has his flaws. Again, I 100% agree on the offensive side. He's going to be taking up space for DeMar. Um, and I think the way to, to solve a little bit of that is depending on who else you can add around them to kind of space the floor. But I think for the Bulls, a big win is getting that them to like to be a 50-plus win team. You can get home court in the first round, get out of the first round. I think stuff like that, when I look at that, I think yeah, I think that's worth it. Um, especially when you, again, you look at DeMar's age, 
He's not getting any younger. We have a window of sorts that we need to make sure we can maximize what we have here. So when I look at all of that, again, in a nuanced way, I'm thinking, yeah, I think I'm I'm up for Gobert. And I know the Patrick Williams conversation as far as giving him up, it's it's tough. And I, I again I, I go back and forth on that. But again, I, for me it's like, okay, if we give up Pat Will, then what are we gonna get at four? I think the solution again is depending on who we we end up signing to be that starting four, and it has to be a legit starting four. It can't be like Derek Jones, it can't be Javante has to be someone that we can actually fill in there. Like, I know this is just an example. I'm not saying the Bulls should go get them, but like one of the Morris twins, I think would be a solid, like starting for a solution in a sense. Um, it's just an example, like I said. But if they were able to do that, solve that starting for along with Rudy Gobert, have the four spacers, I think to me it's worth it. It improves the Bulls by a lot. Like I said, it just makes them more competitive, gets them out of the first round. And then you can go from there. So this whole Gobert thing, it feels like it feels like fans. So we recognize a problem and it feels like we're doing too much to solve that problem. It's like if I if I wanted a TV in my bedroom, should I get an 85 inch TV or yeah, 45 inches. Well, that's a bad example because obviously you should get the 85 inches. <laughs> but it's, it's like the 45 will probably do the same. And it's like, I mean, do I need an 85 inch TV in my room? Like, I don't know. It, it feels like we're trying to invest too much into the center position on top of trading assets and then paying someone an exorbitant amount of money. And it wouldn't be the same like if we were under the cap and we had the money to afford Rudy Gobert. Then it's a different conversation because it's like, oh, okay, well, we don't have to give up anything. It's just cap space. Like, oh, okay. But it feels like we're doing too much to fix a defensive issue that I'm not even sure is that significant because the Bulls were a really good defensive team with Vooch before all of the injuries happened. And I get that we also need to add size. So, yeah, you know, adding like a shot blocker off the bench would be good. But it, it again, it just feels like we're doing too much to solve something that if you look across the league, there are a lot of teams that have like guys with size who can block a shot and play solid defense and they're not paying them a ton of money. Like it, this seems like a good opportunity for a, a win on the margins, right? At least to me, yeah. it does. I mean, I just like Gobert is great. Like, like you said, he's one of the best, if not the best, rim protector ever. An all-time defender will probably go into the Hall of Fame based on his defense alone. But paying him all of that money and then giving up Patrick Williams on top of it just seems like we're doing too much. Too and, much. And it's not like Vooch is like I, I know fans are mad at Vooch, but it's not like he was awful last season disappointing sure but we're talking about a guy that still averaged 19 and 12 against milwaukee in the playoffs <laughs> we're talking about yeah. a guy that still averaged like 18 and 11 last season and he does make the team better because as mort was saying with gobert you're talking about a guy who is only a threat to dunk for ball and outside of that on offense like yeah he can scream but like outside of that doesn't do much <laughs> Vooch 
so much of the offense involved running high pick and roll with him. And even though he was missing threes last year, you you couldn't just like stay in the paint and let him shoot. Like you, you still have to guard him out there. Yeah. And he can pass. So he serves as a passing up too, good fit as a passer. Like there were a lot of positives that he brought to the team. So I, I don't know, like Gobert just feels like doing again way too much. And maybe the Bulls are better, but I just don't know if it's worth all of that. And Mitchell Robinson and Miles Turner, it's like, cool, but like, I don't want to give up Vooch and something else to get Turner. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Like Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, like Mitchell Robinson, okay, cool. Like, but like you said, he's kind of he's here and there. Like, I mean, he can do some of the things Gobert can do, but he's kind of so I don't yeah, know. I, it, it just doesn't like a lot of these ideas just seem like it, there's no perfect solution, like Salim said. But at least with Gobert, it just feels like it doesn't feel necessary to me. Yeah, it seems overly well, aggressive, right? Yeah, I'll say this. I think the Mitchell Robinson rumor though was they want to play him next to Vooch. Um, that that's what the supposedly rumor was, and I don't know how that bit works too, because that's kind of a wonky. Thing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm yeah, not even a fan I, of that because. I, I think the Bulls need to embrace like we don't want like so we don't want to be so small, but I think the Bulls do need to embrace that part of a team where they do have this positional flexibility, they have some athleticism and they can play smaller lineups, but not but not being small all the time if that makes sense. Like if they can find a four who can defend some and can knock down that three and play him next to Vooch. I think that's good. Oh, he's there. He's there. We're we're yeah. getting to that. Can 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 we get into the <laughs> draft? Because I gotta talk about my guy. That they, I mean that option is there. Yeah. Tari Eason out of LSU, man. I mean for everything that the Bulls had issues with this season, statistically speaking, he does very, very well. Like, he'll come in and just fill up a ton of what the Bulls were bad at over the course of this season. I understand that putting any kind of faith in a rookie when you're trying to be competitive is, like, that that makes you feel a little bit uneasy. I completely get that. But at the same time, he's 21. It's not like you're bringing in a 19-year-old kid. So there is that element of maturity there. He's also just highly productive in, like, I don't think I've seen a guy like him just stuff the stat sheet in years. I mean, I would be willing to even trade up for this kid. Could you imagine Tari Eason and Patrick Williams alongside each other in small ball lineups with a healthy Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso? Mm. Good luck scoring on that. Yeah, I I do think Eason – sorry, Ed, I apologize. Um, I I do think he's more of a a win-now like draft crafty like he's probably ready to contribute like kind of like how io was yeah oh yeah io too right you can throw io into that lineup too he was two weight guy yeah yeah so for so for people listening who may not be familiar with easton's game like how like you describe some of it but like how would you compare what he does like what is like just kind of like go in on him a little bit all right so so he is 
he he's he's a tornado of of energy and athleticism. This is a guy who only played 24 minutes per game for LSU. He even came off the bench. He was still the team's leading scorer. He did everything. So in the 24 minutes he played, he was averaging 17 points, six and a half rebounds, two steals over a block, got to the line six times per game, knocked that down at over 80%, hit 36% of his threes, 52% overall. It's like he was allergic to not being involved in a play on either end. And, you know, when we talk about like Patrick Williams is timid and like sometimes he just stands around, Tari Eason is the exact opposite. Like there might come a time in the NBA where a coach has to go to him and say, okay, you need to do less <laughs> because <laughs> he, he is involved every single possession. Like it's amazing how he somehow finds a way to make himself a part of it. So you just know that you're getting this fireball of energy and 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 motor and passion. And and I think people tend to underestimate how that translates to the NBA. Back in 2017, I had Donovan Mitchell third on my big board and people called me crazy. And one of the things that I noticed with him, which is why I had him so high, was he he always found a way to be involved. Like he was he was so determined to not just be a bystander. Tari Eason is geared the exact same way. He is just whatever he does or whatever the game is, he's there. He's making his presence felt. Doesn't matter if it's against bigger players or he is abusing smaller players in the post. There's just a lot to like there. He's a lob threat, but he's also a guy who is a power dribbler, dribbler who can drive into the basket and just finish over guys. He's six eight. 7-2 wingspan. He's got Kawhi hands. That doesn't mean that he's got to be Kawhi. I want to make that perfectly clear, <laughs> but he's got absolutely huge hands. And something that we've seen historically in the, in the NBA is that forwards, big forwards who have big hands, they just have way better upside in terms of ball security. So this is a guy who can come in and do things right off the bat. He's got a very high level of potential left despite being 21 there's a lot of juice you can still squeeze out of that now granted his jump shot is a little bit funky because he he, he almost catapults from his right uh, uh his right shoulder but when you're hitting 80 percent from the foul line and you're doing so on 5.7 attempts per game which is a crap load of free throws over the course of a year and you're also hitting 36 percent from outside on 2.4 attempts as he did this year at LSU, I buy that upside, man. Like I am completely willing to to say, you know what? He'll get there shooting wise, um, and he's just a pickpocket as well. Like this guy picks up steals and blocks, and like it's nothing. Uh, and, and I think that will translate at the NBA level too, because it's just effort and second effort and third effort. Like his motor reminds me as well as Tyrese Maxey. Like, remember when he dropped in the draft two years ago, mm. people were like, oh, he can't shoot. Maybe there's maybe there's a, a, a lower upside there. Didn't really matter because the guy just went pedal to the metal 100% of the time, and it worked. That's Tardy's. And he's 15 on the Tankathon right now going to 15 the 15 on Tankathon, yes. So, and I, yeah. I would imagine the Hornets – um, who are slotted to pick 15th here, hmm. that they that they spent one of their picks on him. I would almost be flabbergasted if they didn't. So 
if but I'm it, the Bulls, I trade up for one of those picks. Isn't he? But isn't he kind of similar to like PJ Washington then for them? Like, well, I, I like I feel I, like... I would say he's better. Hmm. I, I have I have Tari Easton third on my big board. Personally. Oh wow, interesting. That's great. That's Who, great. Who's I mean, your top five? Of just curious. So uh, still Chet's at at number one, obviously because that dude is insane. Jabari at two. Um, Tari at three, and then I actually have Keegan Murray at five, and then Paolo at five. Mm. Yeah, Keegan Murray at four, Paolo at five, yeah. Yeah, I've, Keegan Murray, I've, uh, I've heard a lot about him more and more. Like, I think he's been rising on the board of things, that I would say. He should. He He's going to be a star, I think. And if not a star, he's going to be one of the most consistent starters over the next 10 years, at least. The, yeah. This dude just has everything together. He's very calm. <laughs> he and, and Eason are kind of like polar opposites in how they approach the game. Like Keegan Murray is like very calculated, easygoing, but still, but they're equally as effective, just in different variations. Um, but but yeah, I, I just I love some of these guys at the top of the draft board. And Eason to me is a guy if he if if he drops like down to the late lottery or even outside the lottery, I think the Bulls would be foolish not to to pick him or trade up for him. He he kind of fits this entire need of what the, they have. I, I He's a plug-and-play guy. You can play him at the three. You can play him at the four. Hell, you can even play him a little bit at the five in small ball lineups, just as you can do Pat. There's a lot of positional interchangeability there, flexibility as well. Just love the fit for Chicago there. He he. It, this is like like a glove man so let's say let's say that there is a team listening right now and they just said up we're taking Eason before he gets to chicago unfortunate for us but uh shout out to them if they're listening but who (laughs) who who would you who would you say would be next up that you would take for the bulls maybe in that range so if they can't really fit that need of that that versatile four who can play both sides then who would you go for at 18 ej liddell um from ohio state uh so again one of these guys who blocks the shit out of the basketball (laughs) to be honest with Mm -hmm. you can also score can rebound can play make a little bit more now there are some questions in regards to can he develop that three ball at least on the nba level and the nba range he shot it at 37 and a half percent at ohio state last year which is obviously very decent, but the NBA range is a little bit more. It is a little bit further out. Can he make that that transition? Like Eason, he was also very good at getting to the free throw line. 6.9 attempts per game, hit it at 76.5%. There's just a lot to like here. He's a two-way guy, someone who can participate on both sides of the floor. He also stuffed the stat sheets to a certain extent. Now, Eason is more of a stat sheet stuffer than Liddell is, but that doesn't mean that that Liddell doesn't have anything to to offer. He has a lot to offer. It's just a matter of do you trust him? Do you trust his game rather to make that translation translation to the to the NBA? I I do want to buy stock there. I do. I mm. I understand the concerns, and that's also why I feel more confident with Eason or more secure with Eason. But I if he's there at eighteen and Eason is gone. Yeah, I, I would have no problem taking him. That would be a very nice consolation prize. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would be. He would definitely be inter- another name, interesting name. I've heard a lot about um, another. I think probably closer to a win now type of player. At least I can contribute yeah. right when he gets into the league. Um, he- obviously, Bulls have talked about. Um, sorry, I don't know. Did you have? Oh, I was just gonna say, is is he? So he's like what six seven two forty. So is he kind of like similar to Eason in that sense, where he can play like four five two, or maybe is he more? Uh, he's, he's not as positionally flexible because okay. he, he, like the six, seven, two forty thing, like he, he's heavy. Like mm-hmm. think, think Larry Johnson built okay. in a way, like back in the day, someone who, who is more geared towards playing the four five than the three, four, mm-hmm. uh, which is also why I think I, I have Easton or why I have Easton over him is just, he can play more positions. He's more fluid and he's also way more athletic. I think EJ is is more of a four or five, and you probably only would want to play him at center in spot minutes, like here and there. I don't think he's a guy who can come in and handle twenty minutes at the center spot. Okay. Right. So, uh, speaking of like the potential, the Bulls maybe moving up, or just in general looking to make him in a smaller deal to address. The, uh, other spots on the roster. A lot, a name that's come up a lot about what his future holds with the team is Kobe White. Um, I mean, I personally, I'm not giving up on Kobe as far as being a, a, a guy that can contribute on a winning team. Um, I think what we saw from January, like maybe the last week of December to about the end of February, he was like a legit good player. He was contributing. Uh, way to help the Bulls win. There was like so many games I remember thinking, like, man, if if Kobe, if we didn't have Kobe right now, we'd probably lose this game. Um, I know in, in particular the two games that Demar hit those game winners on New Year's Eve and then on on the uh, New Year's Day. Like you look at Kobe's games, like you know what, Demar doesn't even have the opportunity to be the hero if it wasn't for Kobe White, right. um, because he was just really saving the Bulls' asses uh, that game. In those games, and then the other games that he had where he was just playing really well as as well. But I think what really kind of maybe botched him up a little bit is maybe when Caruso came back, his minutes started to go down. It just it was hard for maybe him to adjust. And that's again something young players have to be ready for. Like you know, you're never you never know what your minutes are going to look like, especially when you have so many players in the backcourt like that. You just never know. You may uh, some nights you may not play like 20 plus minutes and night you may only get 15 and you have to just be ready to contribute in the best of your ability. Um, so I think that really factored in, but I do think there's a, a situation with the bulls now that you probably should look to move on from Kobe, uh, get something that maybe fits the roster better. And just a, Kobe can also go to a place where he'll get those minutes to play and really contribute as well. So what what are your thoughts on Kobe right there, and what do you think the Bulls could potentially get in a trade for him? So this is this is very complicated because I I am basically ready to move on from Kobe if I'm the Bulls, and it's not necessarily exclusively Kobe related, but he he's inconsistent to a point where it's a problem. Like like you said, he'll have a month where you kind of go, oh, yeah, this guy can stick around the next 10, 12 years because he's just rock solid. And then he'll follow that up month up by looking like someone who just came off the G League. And it's the, the swing here is so substantial where you just have to figure, 
something else is needed. And that something else is Ayo Dosumu, who plays both sides of the court, is is way more consistent on both ends as well. Like, yeah, you won't you probably won't be getting those random 36-point explosions from Ayo as you will Kobe. Like, I get that. But I think I would sacrifice those just to have a guy who's rock solid on both ends, who can also play the point, who can also slide up to the three, who can get you 10 plus rebounds in a game. And next game, he might get you 10 plus assists. Like a guy who's just such a high utility player where you just know, yeah, we as an organization can bank on him every single game and know what we're getting. So you'd want to free up those minutes. In regards to what the return is for Kobe, it's it's very complicated because now he only has one year left on his rookie deal. He's up for an extension in a couple of months. I, I mean, this summer, actually. Um, and, and I just don't know, first and foremost, what that number is that makes sense. Like, do you want to tie up a lot of cap space to Kobe going into 2023? I'm not sure. And if you can just get out of that whole situation... I think you should. Now, teams might be arguing, yeah, if you're, we're taking Mon, we'll only have one year of team control, and then he'll be a restricted free agent, then we'll have to go into to all that conversation. And that might lessen the return. So it's a very good question, Salim. I, I don't really know what you can get like in a vacuum. I think the Bulls would be hoping to get something else in terms of position, like maybe get a wing or a big man or something of that sort. I think that would make sense. But if that deal is out there, dude, I don't know. It's because right now his status, because he only has the, that one year left on his rookie deal, it's very much up in the air. And I've spoken with someone from another NBA organization about him at one point. Granted, this is a couple months ago, so this intel is a little bit old. But he too was like, I don't know, like what he is. He's played, you know, over a hundred NBA games, and I have no idea who he is. And if that opinion of him is like rampant around the league, then I could see a lot of teams being a little bit iffy about pulling the trigger. I mean, that's not a bad description though of Kobe, like. Like Salim said, we've seen highs where it's like, man, he's playing respectable team defense and he's knocking down shots. Like, this is the version of Kobe White that we want, and it's great for a team that's trying to win, so he doesn't have to worry about trying to be a superstar. But then, like you said, he's kind of inconsistent. His numbers don't really jump out at you and not a whole lot of positional flexibility, not an amazing athlete. Like, does not... There's not a ton that jumps out at you. And even as for a shooter, it's not like he's an elite shooter. He's more so streaky with those really great games against like the Knicks. And when Roy Williams is in attendance, that's when he goes off. But yeah, it's just we don't really know what he is. So that brings me to my question. Is he someone that whether he's on the Bulls or another team going forward in the next few years is he a player that you think is can get better? Like, is he salvageable? Or do you think this is just kind of what he is as an NBA player? Well, he's only 22. So yeah. I, 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 I'm very large in regards to young players. I understand that they can all be better. It's just a matter of them having that aha moment or stringing together a few games where they kind of 
realize something. So it's, it's not like I'm out on Kobe White, the player. I But I do think that he would benefit greatly as well from a change in scenery, similar to what we saw from Wendell Carter Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, like, do I think the Bulls would ever regret it? No. Like, I don't see Kobe ever turning into someone who'll break down the defense off the dribble, average nine, you know, nine assists and 25 points in, like, in that manner. I still think the archetype of who he is, that will remain. He'll just get better as that archetype that he is, which is a catch-and-shoot player who occasionally can create his own offense. Like, I, I'm, I feel pretty confident in saying that Kobe will have a year or maybe even a couple in the NBA where he averages 20-plus points. That mm. That wouldn't shock me but that's still such an arbitrary number where that isn't really the issue the issue is does he fit on a team that's trying to win go to the playoffs where you need two-way play i mean look at how the boston celtics are doing it right now they made it to the finals by having their top seven guys in the rotation all being two-way players right you need to have that element kobe not much of a defender. He did show us flashes. That's true. And I hope he keeps building on him. But does he project as someone who has Derek White or Marcus Smart defensive upside? Like, no, not at all. Like, he is always going to be a little bit limited in that regard, which is fine. He'll still give you 20 plus points eventually down the line, but it's not for the Bulls. Like, it, they, the Bulls, if they're serious about winning, which they are, all their moves indicate as such, they need two-way production. They need two-way play for as many role players as they can get. 100%. I think, Like I said, I, I do think it's time to move on as far as I think it's beneficial for both sides to move on, I should yeah. say. Um, and I think you got to maximize, like I said, we've talked about maximizing this window. You know, another interesting thing that comes to my mind with maximizing the window to win. I think Portland's looking like they're going to probably keep Dame for another season at least. Mm. Um, that pick, if if they can flip that pick, the Bulls can. And I know there's there's Portland people that have mentioned to me that the, the Blazers could come in and ask the Bulls to change up the protection so the Bulls get like for sure end up getting that pick this year because they want to trade it down the line for something else to improve yeah. the team. Um, like the moment that happens, I feel like you, the Bulls should trade that pick, like trade it this year to get something that can help them on the court. Like for a player that can, I don't know if that, a starter starting player is realistic, but someone that can consistently give you ro- good rotation minutes that can contribute to, uh, a productive production wise and things like that. So that's going to be interesting as well to, to monitor and see how that works out. Totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, honestly, I feel the bulls are in pretty good shape when it comes to the backcourt. Like that's to the point where they can actually move away from Kobe and still be fine. Mm. It, it's just, I think the bigger question of course is what about Lonzo's knee? And like, right. I have, I have no insights into that. Like, and I don't think anyone has, it just sounds like a situation that's very complicated. So we have no idea of what the end result is going to be there. But, but yeah, like if you retain sack, you have Lonzo, you have Levine, you have IO, you have Alex Caruso. That's like four guys right there in the backcourt three of which, three of whom are very excellent two-way players. And Zach is improving on that end of the floor. He isn't that big of a weakness there as he used to be. Like, I 
I feel fine about that backcourt. Like, yeah, you might want to get some veteran mint guy in there for you know, security. That's cool. But that also allows you to free up some more attention to the rest of the roster. Like maybe get that defensive wing in there or find a backup center, like something, right? Um, I think this season, the name of the game should be positional optimization. Hmm. Yeah, 100%. Uh, agree with that. But yeah, uh, I, I'm looking at, I, I think more to spot on is just, I hope that all of the stuff that we're kind of seeing, a lot of it kind of seems like maybe it's smoke with like Gobert and Mitchell Robinson and Turner. I, I don't know like where the rumors are going, but a lot of it seems like it might be smoke. I don't know what they're going to do with the MLE, but like for me, I would probably, I'm not sure if I would even go center with the MLE. Like I, I think I might even look for a, another wing. Like No, yeah, 100%. That's yeah. what I would do. I yeah. I think you have to stock up on guys that can play that 3-4 like a, a big big wings that can potentially also play, you know, back up five. Someone like you can. It doesn't hurt to have multiple players that can play that three, four, five spot. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, because to me, like when when I'm looking at this backup center, if we're looking for a guy with some size, athleticism, who can block some shots and can crash the boards and get a little dirty. Like to me, the, uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier, like that just feels like the perfect opportunity to look for someone on the margins or look to find a guy that's kind of under the radar because these are skills that you, that people consistently find like late in the draft or undrafted or off uh, someone who's not really getting playing time somewhere. Like I, to me, like, I don't think you really have to go in hard on that as much as you do looking for wing help or something like that. Totally. Yeah. Like I have a name for you guys. Because he signed for the min this last summer, and I wouldn't be shocked if he takes a min again, or even if it's a little bit more, like if you have to spend a little part of the MLE, mm. Hassan Whiteside. Like, mm. I understand a lot people have a lot of scruples about him, but if he's in a backup role where all he's being asked to do is just score off of putbacks or lobs, rebound, block shot, play defense for 16 minutes a game, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Like, that's not a problem. Like this year for Utah, in 18 minutes played, he averaged 8.2 points, 7.6 rebounds, 1.6 blocks, and hit 65.2% from the field. Like that's fine. Yeah. You don't need someone who is, you know, an all NBA player backing up the center position. If you can get Hassan Whiteside on a min or slightly more, yeah. Go for it. Then you use the vast majority of your available money to go find that wing. Yeah, or maybe maybe they can finally go get uh, Javiel. Like I, I thought he would have been like the perfect backup to get uh, for last year, but they just you know missed out. He went to Phoenix. I think he's a free agent again. He only signed a one year deal with Phoenix last year. So yeah, I think he would be ideal too. Like someone like him that's athletic, yep. rim running. Um, you yeah, know, big that can that can really get not only get on the boards but yeah affect the defensive end as well. Yeah, these guys can be had. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let AK and Eversley do what they do, but like all of the go bear hype and all of this, it just it's just like I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> just yeah, I don't know. I still would be in for it. 
I definitely understand. I, I def- th- that's it's not is like it, a it's not like a no brainer. Obviously, like I definitely yeah. understand the the reservation for, that people have that they don't want him. I I, I get yeah. it. I get that for sure. Right? Yeah, it's it's just like the the more we go down from Gobert, the Robinson, the Turner. It's just like uh, I don't know. Like I mean, Robinson, I, I wouldn't be upset depending on the price, but it's just it doesn't like. I, I, I think they're probably going to be better. For that type of player, I will not be surprised if there are better deals signed. Yeah. Like, honestly, yeah. is Mitchell Robinson better than Hassan Whiteside right now? I don't know. And yeah. and the other thing with Mitchell Robinson you have to consider, is there bad blood between him and Pat? Like, you know, is no, that? No, they're, they're, there's not because someone wrote about this and there's not. Okay. Okay. So that wouldn't be an issue. That wouldn't be okay. an issue. And to answer to answer Moore's question, if if Mitchell Robinson is better than Whiteside, it's not it's not worth the difference of give him the whole MLE. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. So I, I have I have a name for you. And and this is sort of under the radar. I was I was a little bit annoyed that the Bulls didn't pick him up uh, last summer because he was on the market for a long time and i was just sitting there going really really no team is going to pick him up well, I, I think the, i know who you're going to say the clippers finally did yep yep yeah isaiah hartenstein yep. look played 18 minutes just like uh hassan whiteside eight points a game five rebounds two and a half assists there here we have the playmaking um upside Still a shot blocker, 1.1 per game, 62% from the field, 69% from the foul line. Like he hit 14 threes. That's a small sample size. He was 14 of 30, so shot 47% from long range. But on again, very, very small sample size. But it does mean there's some upside there. Like White, or not White Side, sorry, Hardenstein is a guy that I wouldn't mind spending a nice chunk of the MLE on because he's only 24. And only recently turned 24. So there's an upside angle to this. He's athletic. He's strong. There's a lot to like there as well. So, yeah, the Bulls have options. And that's why I'm not necessarily that keen on Gobert because there are a lot of options out there. I would much rather see that money being spent elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I think that's another move I talk about in the margins. I think you said, so let's say they they would have signed Hartenstein instead of Tony Bradley Jr. Uh, yeah, Tony Bradley Jr. Yeah, I think that's a move, like right there. I think Tony Bradley, like, to, I mean, he was okay at times, but I think that's a that's a move that you failed on the margins as opposed to the guys that you could have gotten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just stuff like that. What I mean, like, I do, I do think he can be, be better and to soar up like various spots and then also using like the two-way contracts a little better right. as well. In, in uh, fairness, though, virtually all NBA teams um, failed to realize the impact of, of Hardenstein outside the Clippers. No, for sure. For sure. <laughs> he, was for on, sure. he was on the market for a long-ass time, and I right. did not understand why. Yeah. It's, it's, it's those type of deals. Like, th- there's deals like this every offseason. So it's – yeah, it – I understand this type of thinking when we have like bigger holes or, you know, there's like a wing or point guard, whatever, whatever. But it, we're just talking about, hey, we need a center who can shore up the defense, some um, big body, you know, can bang a little bit. Hey, those guys are there. We don't have to go for the right. biggest option and then give up assets and then pay him a lot to to do that. So it's there. We just have to see what they do. 
But we all know what's yeah. going to happen. Thad Young is going to return. Like, why were you being wasted? Hey. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> oh, man. I would I, love I, hope, like, I wonder if he would come for the minimum, though. Like, I, that would be more ideal if he came for, like, the minimum. That would be... If Thad probably... Young returned for the minimum, I'm having a party just for myself. But I'm trying right. 100%, 100%. Well, he seemed to really enjoy, like, him and his family really seemed to enjoy uh, that, like, his short kind of sin in Chicago. Yeah. Like, it seemed yeah. like he was really disappointed that he didn't get to stick around for it. Yeah. And he loves Sack. Oh, by the way, yeah. that's a really, that's another point that I forgot to mention when we were discussing Sack. That, that's something that, that a lot of people seem to forget, Bulls fans also. Zach Levine is one of the most beloved players in the NBA by his peers. 100%. So that also matters, like in the whole grand scheme of things. Because if yours an organization are going to move on from Zach, like there are going to be a hundred players out there who are going to be like, "What? Why? That's ridiculous! How dumb are you?" <laughs> and then that's going to be remembered a couple years down the line. Like a guy like him has an appeal. And I think it's just important to to remember that. It's no, hundred percent. It it seems That's like uh, in in the case of Zach Levine and his free agency, it seems like there is a lot to lose, nothing really to gain from <laughs> from yeah. from letting him walk. A lot to lose, yeah. can't really think of much to gain. <laughs> oh, consider this: consider that because of Zach, the Bulls might get Thad Young back on a min deal. Hell yeah. yes! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm down. Oh, 100%. 100%. Well, more, you know, it's always a pleasure having you on. Any final thoughts that you might have? Or also, obviously, just please let us know uh, what you're working on recently, uh, where we can find that work, and obviously where the, everyone can follow you as well. Well, I do, I do have one final um, thing that I just wanted to talk to you guys briefly about. Mm. If I'm the Bulls, I don't miss Laurie Marketing at all. Yeah. (laughs) Who's that? Right. Like, remember all the debates that were like, "Oh, Bulls are gonna regret letting him walk." Oh, he's he's a floor space. Like, dude. Like, not at all. I I mean, I'm when I'm sitting there watching games. I am I'm. It's only when I look at box scores or when I turn on the the Cavaliers games, and then he's playing. It's like, oh, right, Laurie Marketing exists. Like it was such for for our Torres and Mark Eversley to get a first out of that. Kudos, man! That that doesn't get talked about enough. That is just such a haul for a guy who's just been eh, like over the course of his NBA career. So good on the Bulls, FO. As for what I'm working on, uh, not anything specific right now. I'm just busy doing my my radio uh, show, which if you understand Danish, check out Buzzer Beater on Radio 4. If you don't, then I don't blame you. Uh, I'm also doing some TV work, also in Danish, so I wouldn't bother if, if you don't speak the language. I do <laughs> um, host a podcast with Brian Support called The NBA Podcast. That is in English. And then I cover the league for Forbes uh, as well. And you can find me on Twitter where I share all my stuff over at MSJNBA. I, I do like reading your tweets in Danish. Sometimes, like, I'll, I'll, obviously, I'll use the Google Translate 
Uh, but sometimes, like, some of the first couple of, like, one or two of the first words will look like it's in English, and I'll try to start reading. I'm like, oh, this is Danish. Like, All right. <laughs> I saw this, too. I'm like, oh, wait. Oh, never mind. Hold on. <laughs> and sometimes the translation make no sense no, whatsoever. No, 100%. Like, I've, I've asked you, I think, a couple of times. I was like, is this correct, what you yeah. were saying? Because <laughs> Google Translate is obviously because they don't, each language, obviously, with, with various type of, like um like pronouns and things that yeah. you may use it 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 means they it's very different right a lot of languages have more multiple ways of saying like you know she or he and whatever may have you or they or whatever have you um or even describing a person like has like multiple ways as opposed to just him you know right so it, it, it can get like kind of lost in that translation. So the translation could be goofy. And the slang, it doesn't take account. It's a slang. And I use That's slang true. a lot. And then the, the translation just makes no sense. And I have, I here over here, we use the same word for door as we do dying. So it's oh. like that has thrown people off because so, once in a while I've, I've used the phrase that opens a door. And then sometimes you know that that actually Google Translate picks it up as dying. <laughs> it's pretty like what? Wait, what? Who's dead? What's going on? <laughs> so yeah, um, I appreciate everyone who who has had the patience to go through my my Danish tweets. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. Ed, uh, any final thoughts as we're wrapping up here? Yeah, no, thanks, o- thanks. only that. Thank you. Oh, sorry, you were asking. Oh, no. Ed, see, my podcast <laughs> oh, no, is taking over. But, but <laughs> I did. I did want to take. I just want to say thank you guys for having me as yeah, well. Absolutely. Man. Um, oh, I, I completely forgot to say that at, at the top. Uh, you guys have always been super, super kind bringing me onto the show. And I, I very much appreciate it. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. All, it's always great having more. We always have like a lot of our best episodes are with you. We always just have great conversation and great flow. So this is no different. And we got to break down a lot of stuff and on your last point with Lowry Markinen, uh, it, it it's crazy to think that because we we did see some flashes of him being good, but it's just I don't know with, with Lowry. I I feel like it's really all um like up here, like it's all like mental to me because I, I right. think he has the talent and skill on paper to be a lot better than what he is. It's just you don't know how badly he. He wants it. Like uh, we were talking about the dog earlier. Does he have that dog in him? If someone said that about Lowry, then I'd be like, "Oh yeah, well I can see that." Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's that's obvious. I mean, when you see him not punishing like a mismatch with like a six three guard on him, you're just kind of like, "Oh yeah, it doesn't right." It's not right. There. <laughs> see, that's the guy to talk about, right? When like maybe maybe that's the response from now on. Whenever someone argues that Zach Levine isn't a dog. You yeah. just put up a picture of Lori Markkinen. <laughs> yeah, when we I, when we had a uh, when we had Bobby Portis here, like we're, Portis and Markkinen were on the same team at least one year, I think, right? Yes, and, yes. yes. Yeah, so right. the difference in who has that dog, <laughs> I mean, could not be any clearer when those two were on the same team together. Because Bobby, look, Bobby, you can say a lot of things about Bobby, but that man when he was a bull and everything he's played with since he left it all out there every game whether he played yep. bad or good you could never question whether he was going giving you everything he had 
Always love oh, that man. about Bobby. Mark and it can't Bobby. say the same, but <laughs> Bob, yeah, definitely. Like you look at like you look at the play all the the players that the Bulls had, and you look at between. I was Nico's not in the league anymore. Yeah, uh, he 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 decided to go back home, uh, home essentially. Um, but you look at Larry. Uh, Bobby turned out to be the best player of all those. Like as far as being able to contribute on a championship team. Yeah, um, yeah crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 he's improved a lot as far as like the type of like him in defensive. Obviously, he had his shortcomings, but he's he's become a guy that at least on a team level that's been able to consistently contribute there yeah he competes yeah and he continuously knocks down big shots um yeah it's he's definitely one of those guys that it'll be interesting i mean i would imagine the bucks are going to keep him this offseason uh the rumor deal i think for him was like four years 48 million or something like that i mean that's a guy low-key i mean would not be upset if bobby came back to chicago yeah. man i would not be right, upset right. <laughs> it won't happen but i wouldn't be upset very <laughs> very much agreed yeah, yeah th- th- then they'd finally have a dog yes yes <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely but anyway that's a wrap for today's show if you've missed any previous episodes you can find us under the barroom network on all major and minor podcast platforms thank you again to mort jensen for joining us today and to the listeners for tuning in. As always, for Edward Schuler and myself, the next time we'll stand. <laughs>